now back with part two of our all-star break slash trade deadline special with Timberland Richardson. In this part, we analyze the Western Conference and dive to uh, within each team, see if they're trending up or down on the season, and then potential moves they could make by the trade deadline. Uh, once again, we are brought to you by Fan Essentials. Use promo code 94FEET at checkout for 30% off your first subscription, and by Daily Fantasy Pro. Without further ado, here's Timberland and I diving into the Western Conference. Okay, we are now back with part two of our episodes of the All-Star Break slash Trade Deadline Special. We'll now be going through the Western Conference. So if you didn't listen to our previous episode, we went through the Eastern Conference, each team, talking about if they're trending up or down for this season and for the future, and then potential trades that we would like to see or we think would happen for each team. So we're now going to go to the Western Conference, and we're going to start off uh, going in order. So, of course, we're going to start off with the Golden State Warriors, a team that I'm very sick of hearing about. They're trending up, obviously. Um, I can make you feel better. Really? Yeah. How's that? Well, here's the thing. This team is going to come into the summertime. And if they are not the Larry O'Brien trophy holders, what do you do when you get to the summertime and you know you're going to grandfather Steph Curry? And you know that you're going to go into your salary cap because you have to to give Kevin Durant the max contract, which they've already promised him and which he's going to want. But then you still have to sign your MVP of your one championship two years ago and Sean Livingston, who are basically your depth. Yes, that so, is. And someone said to me, "Oh, well, they'll, you know, Iggy and Sean will just take veteran minimums." Why the hell would they do that when when Tom Thibodeau can say, Iggy, come on over here? Yeah, that's the, that's the biggest concern with the Warriors. If if they don't win, what do even they... Even if they do even, win. Yeah, even if they do win, they have the cap issues no matter if what. If they don't win, it becomes a big issue. Yes. But if they if they do win, if, sorry, if they don't win, it becomes a bigger issue. Yeah, for sure. And then sure. suddenly, if they don't win because Kevin Durant goes back to his natural habits, which are going iso ball... Mm-hmm. Then suddenly, how happy are Steph and Clay that they've had to compensate to fit him into their team? Yeah, that's the concern. The, the, the concern of well, the cap concern is going to be though, no matter if they win or not. If they win, it eases things because you know they win. And if they don't win, then it really becomes a concern because they've got the cap issues. They've got the kind of doubt, like, hey, we had a. Kevin- I, hope, I hope they don't even make the finals. Straight goods. I mean, who who really isn't besides. Warriors fans, who isn't hoping that the Warriors will make the finals? I, I hope neither the Cavs or the Warriors make it. To be honest with you, oh yeah, I'm sick and tired of this. Oh, absolutely. The only the only interesting thing about this potential Warriors Cavs series is that it's the third installment, so it's kind of a best of three. Besides that, I have no interest. And then no, no two teams have ever done that. Yeah, that's the. My, my thing is this though: I really loved Golden State. I loved Draymond Green when he first came out of college. I saw his potential long before a lot of people did. I really loved watching them up and coming. You know, I love the young teams. But this whole thing with Durant leaving Westbrook when they were up three to one. That just turned me off, made me feel disgusted. The fact that they need to, like, shove it down their throats to me, for all these people saying, oh, there's not really an issue. There's an issue. (laughs) Westbrook went to dinner with him a week before he left and said to him, what else can I do to make the game easier for you? He's the one that took all the negative press. He's the one that compensated his game. Not once did Kevin Durant change his game, game for Russell. Not once. Yeah, they. I didn't. I did not like Durant's move for sure. I already didn't like the Warriors a little bit because of just their antics. I think that 
I, as you said, I liked Green before, but now I, I really have a problem with Green besides the kicking because that's a whole issue. Just the way he celebrates and doesn't get technical fouls, I, I, I might seem like a complainer, but I mean, this is probably one of the only players I see flex after almost every end one he does in the face of people and never has gotten a technical foul. Meanwhile, you hang onto the rim for an extra two seconds and you get a technical foul. Um, that's what I have a problem with. And some of the other antics, you know, uh, Steph Curry's antics are, can be a little bit annoying sometimes. Um, and then adding Durant when they won 70. 70- you know what? As much as that can annoy me, I have to say, watching the West Coast practice yesterday, seeing Steph, and, and, and there was a very visible thing going on. Obviously, you had Russell at one end, and you had Kevin at the other end. Oh, and by the way, to finish that story, it was Nick Collison, Russell Westbrook, and Kevin Durant at dinner. And Kevin said, no, there's nothing. Everything's cool. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think I heard about that briefly. Okay, mm-hmm. so you know my, my my story that I wrote about him was is poster boy or, or PR puppet. <laughs> so the thing is, Kevin Durant is much more of a prima donna than people want to know. If you watched yesterday during that Western Conference practice, Russell was joking around. Who who was with him? It was James Harden and Steph Curry. Yeah. So that tells you a lot about the respect level for Russell Westbrook. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now on the other end of the floor, you see. Draymond Green and you see uh, you see Draymond Green and you see Boogie Cousins and every once in a while you see Kevin Durant put his head kind of down and say something and then you see the players look down the court to the opposite end and then you see them say something and Kevin Durant look back up. It was very obvious he was asking about Russ and not once did you see Russell do anything other than be himself, yeah. which is typical of the stories that have come out of OKC, which is Russ doesn't care what people think about him. He is who he is. And, he, and, you know, when Durant came out and said, you know, well, Russell was married and he, I, I didn't have a girlfriend and Russell grew up with both parents. And meanwhile, Steph Curry's got two kids and, you know, Sonia and, and Del Curry, hello, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, and he spent seven months not saying a word and waited until the week before they come back to OKC to finally come out and say, well, it's all because of the press. No, it's not. Yeah. It, it, there are it, issues here. Yeah. He basically said to Russell Westbrook, I don't think I can win with you. He basically said that, but didn't tell him to his face. Mm-hmm. For the most part, yeah. I have to agree with that. And it's an you issue know, that... I, I've lost all respect for Kevin Durant. Yeah. Not as a player, but as a person. Yeah, I lost a lot of respect as well. And it's an issue that, you know, of course is going to be presented on by the media. And I'm, I'm pretty sick of hearing about it, but... You know, it does make their matchup somewhat interesting for the most part, um, but it's certainly a storyline I'll be continuing. Please me more than for the to end up with uh, Sam Presti pulling a move at the deadline. That is just the one piece extra that gives Russell a little bit of extra scoring and ball handling because that team defensively is sound. I'll tell you that right yeah. now. Even with the youngsters they have, then they get Ennis back, and I'm telling you right now, that team. If, if they actually have to play Golden State and they get one more piece because of their size and because of what they can do defensively, if there's an injury on Golden State, nothing would please me more than to see them be the ones to take out Golden State in the playoffs. And I think Russell would feel that, that was like winning the championship. Probably. Um, but yeah, that's the key thing, though. They have to hope for an injury for Golden State, really, because Kevin Durant... Well, if they get one more piece, not necessarily, because Kevin Durant is going to have... Uh, Andre Robertson painted to him. Yeah, but the problem is that Durant gets his players pumped up for those games. You've seen how much he gets his gr- green. Go pull up his numbers from the series last year. 
everyone can say what they want to say. His numbers in that series were really bad. Oh, yeah. In the playoff series against Golden State, they were bad. But I'm saying this year in the regular season, he has gotten Green and Thompson to be like, hey, you got to play for me because this is going up against my last my former team, and yeah, i got to make sure we win. But it, that's the same thing he did last year with Russell. Like, his numbers were great in season. So I'm just saying, don't, don't count it out. Yeah. I'm not going to count it out. I'm not counting out anything. I, I doubt a lot of things. Like, I doubt a team beating the Cavs. I doubt a team beating the Warriors. But you never count anything out. And uh, let's talk about. And I think I think he has too much of a, a propensity to need to be the man, and that's not who Golden State is. Yeah, that's true. That was the thing we saw in the first couple of months, where it was like they didn't Curry and Durant felt really uncomfortable in crunch time because we're like, you know, what do we do here? We never had a guy like Durant who wants to be the man and wants to take the shots, and that kind of messed him up for a little bit. And Curry, he, he historically doesn't make those shots, so. Yeah. If he isn't getting the ball, and when he does get it, does he start missing like he did last year? I'm just saying. Like, yeah. Well, it's something we have to watch, especially yeah. in the playoffs for sure, and you know, we'll see if they're healthy. And I don't count out the next team you're going to bring up. I, would, I just don't. That's, that was just going to say, I was going to say, let's, let's talk about the team that we can never count out, San Antonio Spurs. They're 43-13. and 13. They're really they're only, what, three and a half, four games behind the Warriors? I mean, yeah. it's the same old Spurs. I have them trending up. It's just Popovich working magic. Kawhi has embraced a new— Number one defensively. Number one defensively, Kawhi has embraced an even bigger role as a leader and a scorer and doing it great. Um, not going to even bother talking about trades because the Spurs never make in-season trades, and why should they really? You never want to touch with that, uh, something going so well and what's been going. Exactly. You never want to touch something. That... <laughs> it's really incredible, really. Anybody. Just put me on the Spurs, and I'll probably score about seven points a game somehow. Okay, listeners, do yourselves a favor. The next time you get to see the Spurs play a really good team, Watch the game and then watch it back. And w- just watch Kawhi Leonard the whole game. You will see him guard positions one through five when he's playing a good team and stop every single player. And sometimes on the same play. Yeah. It's really... It's and, and the fact that now he's just an elite scorer, 26 points per game on good efficiency, is just really incredible and speaks to his work ethic and just, you know, his fit there and just Kawhi Leonard as a player and of course why he deserves both defensive player of the year consideration and MVP consideration um and you know I guess the question is you know are the Spurs the biggest threat to the Warriors in the playoffs and do you realistically see them beating them in a series both teams healthy yeah I do I could I I, I cannot ever go against Greg Popovich I just can't the only team that I've seen really turn them on their ear and I'll still say that the whistle was an interesting factor the year that the Clippers took them to seven and won that series and it, it basically ruined the Clippers because the next you know it was last year the next series both Chris Paul and, and Blake Griffin went down because they had to fight them with everything they had to get past them mm-hmm. right yeah. and the only other time it happened is when they went uh, OKC went down 2-0 and to them when Ibaka was out, and then Ibaka came back, and they won four straight. Other than that, I can't think of a time where Greg Popovich didn't push a team. So even the year that, that Miami won the championship is questionable. That game six, where they were allowing fouls to go, and things happened in that final minute and a half that were just you know mind-numbing yeah. until the next year when the Spurs showcased their symphony on the court. Uh, I just wouldn't count them out. I just for something there's some reason I think I think Pops 
is sitting with a bottle of red wine every night. He's mm-hmm. not even worrying about the other games. He's sitting there figuring out a defense that will stop Golden State in the playoffs. Yeah, I would not doubt that at all. Um, probably has Boris Diaw next to him with a nice glass of wine. Um, well, Boris is in Utah. <laughs> yeah, that's true, but he never, that doesn't mean he can't hang out with him. He's got slow-mo in there. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. He's eating carrot cake with Timmy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. You can never count out the Spurs. And another thing, just on the side note, nothing related to basketball. It's just what a joy Popovich has been for the media this year. Um, I don't really want to talk about politics. I try and avoid them in the show. But I love Popovich, you know, taking stands on issues that matter in society and doing it in, yeah. a, in a great way. Um, I just really appreciate and respect him for that as well. Um, yeah, we've seen a real human side of him this year. I think it started with Craig Sager when he was before he passed, and you can see, and then with Timmy's enshrinement. Yeah. Of the, of, of, yeah, like you can see that he's such a teddy bear that no one really knew that he was. Exactly, and it's just such a nice side to see for him. Besides the whole traditional pop stone stone cold face and just you know winning games, but uh, yeah, you can never count out the Spurs, and you know. Love him. As long as they stay healthy, they've got a serious shot, of course, as they do every year with Popovich and Kawhi, and you know even the new pieces now as well. But um, I, I, I do, I do think that they might surprise you and maybe do something point guard wise at the, at the deadline. That wouldn't surprise me. Parker is a concern. I will say that Parker's play. But I can see them doing a low key move where, and the interesting one might be a rookie for a rookie, mm. and I'm, I'm going to bring something up that might be considered which is the Kyle Lowry clone called Fred Van Vliet that mm-hmm. came out of Wichita State who was very much like Kyle Lowry and now that DeLon Wright is back we don't necessarily need him maybe trading him for Davis Bertrand to give Toronto a scoring punch of a big off the bench that would be interesting um I, I mean I could see it happen if if they make a move it's always it's for sure under the radar um so you know that could be a possibility you know I yeah. It's like a peripheral move. Exactly. That's what they basically always do um, anyway. So, you know, we have to wait. We have to wait. Deontay Murray, too, so they don't necessarily need it. Exactly. You know, they probably were just going to stick with what they got because that's what Popovich usually does. Um, and it's been working out for him, obviously. So <laughs> why, why doubt it, really? Um, let's move on to the third team in the Western Conference, Houston Rockets, 40-18. and 18. They're pretty much comfortably in the third. They're about four and a half games behind the uh, Spurs. Um they're four games behind the Spurs, four games ahead of the Clippers. So, I mean, it's, they're comfortably entrenched in that kind of third seed for now. Um, they're trending up. I have them up for this season um, because they're they're way above expectations. Um, there are serious questions. I have questions about, you know, what Did they... Did you not have them figured to be up higher, though, like with D'Antoni there? Oh, uh, before like this... Maybe pundits uh, on a whole didn't see them. Oh, no. This well, but I thought both you and I thought that they would be better than most people thought. Oh, I certainly did. I had them at 50 wins, and that was that was optimistic in, in the eyes of most people because you know the, the Las Vegas over-under had them at 41. I saw most people had them at about 44, 45. I had them at 50, um, and I, w- I thought I was being a little bit too optimistic because I had doubts, but I thought that I was a lot higher on them just because how disastrous last season was. There was no way they were not going to get better than 41 wins now. Um <laughs> I think the one thing about Harden is when he puts his mind to something, like if you recall three years ago when he got just lambasted for his defense, he came back and that was the MVP type season when he literally carried the team on his and Trevor Ariza's back. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So I kind of, ex- like, I was in total agreement with you. Now, that said, their final games get a little scary. 
they have a tough stretch, right? Uh, basically, the first three games after the All-Star break are, are not hard, but then you get into a really, really tough stretch for about six Clippers, games. Clippers, Memphis, Spurs, Jazz, Bulls, Cavs, and then they have a couple of easy ones, two against the Nuggets. Depending on where the Pelicans are, that could be a nightmare game. OKC, Golden State, Portland, Golden State. Like, they've got a lot of tough games. They have tough, games. tough games. And now the thing with the f- thing with the Rockets is that I'm up on them on this season with the caveat that they need to make a trade. Um, they need a backup wing because every time I watch Corey Brewer, it makes me believe that I could make <laughs> could make it in the NBA if he gets paid seven million dollars to do what he does. He looks. <laughs> I mean, he looks like a chicken with its head cut off when he runs around that court. I'm, I'm sick and tired of hearing about he's a good teammate, which I don't doubt. I, I've. There's certainly been stories that he's been a really good teammate. Um, but besides that, his play on the court is. 90%, 95% of the time abysmal. He makes one or two good plays a game, and you're like, you know what? Maybe Brewer's going to have a good game today. And then he follows that up with two turnovers or uh, just a ridiculous you know, shot attempt. So they yeah, need to. He's, he's great for the first five games after a trade. Yeah, basically. And in game six against the Clippers. Yeah, I, I say it, I tweeted it, um, I don't remember who I was talking to on Twitter, but I, I was like, it's a blessing and a, and a disguise that he played well in that Clippers series to help them win that because that led him to get the contract he has now, which now he's obviously been a terrible player. So if he didn't play well in the playoffs, there's no chance he gets that three-year, $7 million a year contract. But at the same time, if, yeah. if he doesn't play well, they don't win that series. So. He's, of when they talk about someone getting hot and yes. streaky, he's the epitome of that. Except that his streak is one every fifty-five games. <laughs> Basically, and that's being op- that's optimistic at this point. Um, but yeah, they need to replace Brewers' minutes with uh, a guy like Cephalosha, PJ so Tucker. Not, yeah, yeah, but why not just play uh, Decker more? Well, they play Decker a lot, but they play him as a power forward, uh, undersized power forward, power forward because they have. In Mike D'Antoni's system, Montrez Harrell has to be a center because he can't shoot, um, which puts is Brewer. Overrated? Hmm? Is, is Montrez Harrell overrated and is that going to be exposed when they start playing the better teams? Well, the thing is that the interesting thing I think I'll give credit to D'Antoni for uh, uh, one thing is that he's done a really good job of playing this this kind of center trio. You've obviously got Capella, but then he actually rests Nene against teams that don't really have a big presence inside, and they play Harrell because Harrell's undersized, more athletic, provides more energy at this point, and then in games where the you know teams have a, a bruiser, quote unquote, in the inside, he plays Nene um, more than Harold. Sometimes Harold gets uh, DNP coaches' decisions, even when he's playing pretty well. Um, so I give credit to D'Antoni for that. I like Harold, but I don't like him as much as Rockets fans do. Um, I remember on Twitter when there were rumors that the Rockets were interested in Ibaka in any way. I I wrote an article on Hoops Habit saying you use Harold, you use Brewer, McDaniel's. And some and a pick to get Ibaka, and I got responses saying you can't trade Harrell; he's untouchable. And I said, no, he's not untouchable. Uh, no, not. Sam Decker, you can is closer to being untouchable than than Montres Harrell is. And I got a couple responses saying Harrell's showing a lot of promise. Blah blah blah. I was is like, come, is he primarily with the D League right now? Yeah, he is in the D League, and then when he's we, what's happening with my boy KJ McDaniel's because I love him. I. When I when they traded for McDaniel's, I was extremely excited. There's something there's something up there. He either doesn't work hard enough in practice, doesn't have the coach's trust. He this is now. I think it's simply because he doesn't hit the threes at the same rate that Mike and Tony wants him to. I really thought he was going to end up being the Rajah Bell for Mike D'Antoni, but 
I, they just I don't understand it because the yeah. kid, I don't believe he doesn't work hard enough, Eric. I just don't. I, I don't I don't believe that either. But that's at this point that's what I'm thinking. Besides the three pointers, that I mean, if you're gonna let Ryan Anderson stand on the court and catch flies every game with his mouth open on defense, then why can't you give Daniel McDaniel's a try? Yeah, and that's the thing. And you know, they actually could use McDaniel's. And another move I think they should make is to sign one of the you know cheap free agent guards. Um, in uh, I think it was Calvin Watkins who said that they had talked to um, Chalmers and Jared Jack as like cheap options to play you know five to ten minutes a game just when Beverly's out or Gordon's out and stuff like that. And they could actually use McDaniel's to put into that guard rotation. And the biggest reason, yeah, you said it, he can't hit threes. Um, and the interesting thing enough is that this is basically the third coach that does not play him because Mikhail didn't play him, Bickerstaff didn't play him, and and that's a thing where he had to rely on veterans because he was just desperate to make the playoffs. Um, and now, okay, how safe is Trevor Ariza at the deadline? I think he's very safe because I Maury himself has said he doesn't want to make a big move, and I know Ariza's nothing close to a star, but he's a big piece. Uh, I love him. I love him. Three and D guy. Very serviceable contracts. Great teammate, apparently, for, for the Rockets next to Harden. They're really good friends. Okay. I, I'm just curious because he's $7.8 million this year, $7.4 next year, and then unrestricted in 2018. And, and at the beginning of the year, there was rumors that Ariza and Beverly were being shot. There were, so, yeah, in the draft, actually, I think it was. That's, that's their defense, and they're going to need defense in the playoffs. And Which, yeah. I but, don't know. I'm just wondering. I, I, Something tells me that he might not be as safe as what everyone thinks. But if 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 he is that close to Harden, then he probably is safe because Harden referred to Mike D'Antoni as his best friend this week. <laughs> I know, and that's that's yeah, that's another interesting thing. But uh, um, I'm going to say about this about Ariza. I I would be completely shocked if they did trade him. And then what, about his contract, I think what happens is that he sticks around to the end of his contract, and then. Maury goes to him and you know reevaluates the situation. And says, "Listen, we've got Sam Decker here, who is primed to take over your spot. Will you come back for a cheaper contract, or will you be looking for money? And we'll probably let you go then." That's what I think happens with Ariza. Um, yeah. That's of course another another off season ahead of that, so nothing to really right. talk about this season. But and just as a side note, really d- did not like how Maury got into a personal issue with B.A.J. Armstrong and let it affect how they dealt with uh, Donatus Moniunas. Oh, that was the... What what a messy situation that was. I I really was not... How they treated him was just straight up wrong. I didn't like that either. And then the other thing I'm going to criticize is I think Armstrong himself also didn't do a great job of being an agent with... uh, just the way, but that wasn't Donatus's fault. No, nothing wrong with Donatus. He showed up. He tried to do his part in this whole kind of mess, and it was a serious issue between Armstrong and Maury, and that was it. But the last thing, Olympics got taken advantage of when he got traded because Stan wanted Tobias, Tobias Harris more than he wanted him. Nothing wrong with his back. Yeah, that was that was you know like the whole thing was just handled so poorly. Yeah, um, and the last thing I want to say about the Rockets is that um, I think that. The, the, the only chance I give them to make the conference finals is if they make a trade for a backup wing that can play defense because b- apparently people still think Brewer can play defense, which he doesn't anymore. Um, Scary monsters. <laughs> and so if they – I'm saying that in, in my Hoops Harbor, hoops Habit article, my targets were Cephalosha or P.J. Tucker basically. Um, yeah, and if they do that, and that shouldn't cost that much um, – I think that actually could push them over the edge of the Spurs if they're healthy. If they, without a move, I don't see the Rockets beating the Spurs. So I think that they need a move, and that's why I think that 
the trade deadline is crucial for Maury because he always usually swings at least one deal every year. But we'll have to see. Yeah, I don't see them beating the Spurs, but ironically enough, I think that they could play with Golden State because you're the one team in the league that can keep up with them offensively. Yeah, and a guy like Tucker or Cephalosha, another defender, is crucial in that series because um, you've got a Reese, a good defender. Beverly can kind of kind of annoy Curry, and then you put a guy like Tucker or Cephalosha on a on a, a Durant or, or a Thompson. Yeah, yeah, but I'm the, not a fan of Beverly, as you know. Oh, I know that, and most people aren't. But I, I like the feistiness sometimes. I, I don't mind feistiness. I don't like dirtiness. I, I put him in the same group as Draymond. Unnecessary dirtiness. I think some of it's unnecessary, but some of it's just like him trying to stay relevant. I think honestly, some of these guys, Green doesn't have to do it, um, but some of them I like to, I think, do that for their reputation for the most part. But I think that's enough Rockets talk for one episode. Um, that's okay. Let's move on to the LA Clippers, who are a little bit interesting now. I have them trending down um, because I think it it very well could be their last season of this kind of current core, depending on the playoffs. And, you know, if they stick in this 4-5 matchup, which I mentioned, they're four games behind the Rockets, and they're not... They've done well considering. They have done well considering. Depending on if they can get healthy, as soon as they can get healthy, I don't know if they'll catch the Rockets. I, I, I don't think so. If the Rockets stay healthy and if they make a move, I think the Rockets are that third seed, which puts the Clippers in a interesting problem because um, that 4-5 matchup, even if they beat the Jazz, which they could, I'm not going to rule that out, of course, they face the Warriors in the second round, and we know the Warriors love to beat up on the Clippers. Like I don't know why. They just love it. I mean, they, they blow them out every game, and they're smiling and dancing. And so if they don't avoid that 4-5 matchup and get eliminated by the Warriors in the second round, that puts some serious doubts on, you know, Paul's a free agent. Um, I think he's more likely to leave than Blake Griffin. I think Blake Griffin's that kind of guy that would love to stay in L.A. Um, but I think it could be the last season of their current squad, depending on how they do in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, Blake's kind of hurt his stock, even though he is a talent. He's hurt his stock with so many injuries. Like, it's, it's yeah. very much akin to, to Kevin Love. Now... They come out of the break, you want to talk about a horrendous schedule. They come out of the break, and they have to play Golden State, I think, three times. They've got Golden State, Spurs, the slumping Hornets, the Rockets, the Bucks, uh, we'll go down Boston, Jazz, Cavaliers. Like They've got a lot of big teams to play prior to Chris Paul coming back. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. What do you think? I mean, personally, I think that Doc Rivers gets a lot more credit for being a great coach than he deserves. I think he's more a good manager of personalities, Mm -hmm. and I think he's a terrible GM. But what do you think about the rumors about the potential for Melo to be brought over? Because their one weakness has always been having someone who can play a small forward. But Melo is now at the stage in his career where he's better suited to be a stretch four. So there's been rumors out there about that. Do you think that they take, because Doc does silly things, do you think that he actually goes for him in a last-ditch effort? Because it's probably the last time the big three stay together, as you say, if they don't make it to the Western Conference Finals or further. Yeah, and that that Mellow thing, like Mellow's good. We see Olympic Mellow's is good and fun to watch when he plays off the ball, which would happen more in L.A., obviously, and you know that could help Mellow a lot. Um, now the oh, question... Chris Paul, for as much as everybody wants to talk about Mello, I love that uh, Gun Baby Davis uh, on the herd, mm. and he called Chris Paul dribble, 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 dribble. Oh, the clock's gonna run out. Pass. Yeah. Um, but speaking of, um, the, the question is because the Clippers don't have great assets to give the Knicks now, depending on what I the. Got nothing. 
They've got nothing. They have, I think they have a first round pick in like 2022 or something. Like something. Yeah, I mean the the what, what the package the Clippers would give was Crawford, Austin Rivers, and like a first round pick in like six years, and like that's not going to give you mellow. Um, the Raptors had their pick this year. That's what they gave. Well, depending on who ends up lower, but that's what Magic the Magic got basically. Yeah, and you know they were rumored. I just the rumor came out. I think like over the weekend again that they're interested in in. Uh, Wilson Chandler, who they could probably get for, they actually probably have realistic assets to get Chandler. Now he doesn't really do anything for them, you know, pushing them over the edge like oh, a mellow. I love, that. I love Chandler. Chandler's another Swiss Army knife. Love I love Chandler, but I don't think he pushes them over the edge in terms of. I, I don't. I don't think that um, Mike Malone wants to get rid of Chandler. That's the thing. They're More gonna, like they'll get rid of Gallinari or yeah. Fareed. Yeah, that's or what I was, Barton. Now Gallinari. He doesn't push them over the edge either. Um, Except that he stretches the floor, and that's the only thing. That's the best really thing. Have. Yeah, that's the biggest thing that Gallinari provides for them. Um, but yeah, they need a small forward. I have that written down in my notes. But you mean Paul, Paul Pierce can't play the three or the four. <laughs> oh God! Oh my God! And uh, I don't. You know what? That's just a mess. Giving coach. Someone should tell him that. Um, someone in the organization should tell him that, really. But of course, he probably won't listen anyway. So, but yeah, the, cl- that the truth? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth, Paul. Um, yeah, let's move on to the team. That's what I was thinking. You know, I'm saying that because that's the team I used to hate the most. Oh, oh yeah, nothing give me more pleasure as a Rockets fan than coming back against the Clippers because they were my most hated team and now obviously got the Warriors who have emerged as villains. But I actually got hate mail last year because on the podcast, the day, the very day that both Chris Paul and Blake Griffin got injured, we published a podcast that morning where I said, you watch, I'll bet you money right now that one or both Chris Paul and Blake Griffin get injured before this series is over and that night they went down. Oof. People were sending me hate tweets. <laughs> oh, that's that's tough. That's tough. But uh, yeah, honestly, I don't. Oh, crystal ball, people, crystal ball. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Honestly, I don't. I don't even hate the Clippers anymore. I don't like them, but I kind of feel bad, really. You're too pathetic to hate at this point. Exactly. Um, let's move on to the Jazz, who are right behind the Clippers. Um, they're love, 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 love George Hill. Love the, the Jazz. Best player in the league. Love the Jazz. They're only half a game behind the Clippers. Um, yeah. and the Jazz they're actually. Yeah, and the Jazz actually have the fourth best net rating in the league, third best defense, twelfth best offense. That that leads to a fourth best net rating of five point six. If they're a good team, the problem is that you know they don't have as elite of a record with all those injuries. Um, and I have them trending up. I just say they they need to stay healthy. That's bi- the biggest thing for them. They've got depth when they're healthy. They've obviously got talent when they're healthy. That's the the big thing for them in the playoffs is they stay healthy. And if they do, they could certainly beat the Clippers in a four five matchup. And they probably would pose. A little bit of a threat to the Warriors push them to six, six, six or seven games, depending on their health, um, of course. So yeah, I mean, it obviously, to your point, depends a lot on whether Georgie's healthy or not, um, and and there is issues in that they don't score at a high level yeah. in the postseason when things become more of a, a, a half court offense. It it could behoove them. Gordon Hayward is certainly trending up. Um, they've got veterans, they've got youth, they've got, I mean, they've got so much on that team that I really, really love, but I'm wondering, I'm just trying to pull up quickly here to see, 
No, Favors is signed through 2017. I was going to say I wondered if they would look at Favors as at trading him before his contract ran out, but they don't really have to address that till next year. Um, but you've got Gordon Hayward coming into free agency. It'll be very interesting to see whether he tries to reunite with Brad Stevens, and mm-hmm. a lot of people are going to come after him. So, yeah, I, I love this team a lot, but I think they need to do something defensively. Uh, Rodney Hood's the player, the other player. I love that kid. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, how crazy is it that you've got Joe Ingles like playing the way he's playing this year? Like, seriously, what? he is play- He's a key piece in that in that group right there. It's so crazy. It's really incredible. And like you said, they have a really nice uh, mix of veterans and young players and just people. Drafters beat them both times. Yeah. Um, So I'm not sure. We'll we'll see. uh, Do you think they make any trades at all? Like just something to like – what what is their weakness other than like pace? There really isn't weakness. That's the thing. They have – I mean if they're healthy, they've got basically two deep at every position. Yeah. and you know you propose favors being a potential trade, you know being shopped around, and that that honestly could do something for them because you know they're gonna have to pay Hayward. Do they really love favors that much to pay him? Because well, there's that degenerative knee thing too, though, right? Yeah. There's there's speculation that that is going to be an ongoing thing. That's why he missed so many games. Yeah, and you know the question is, do they love playing favors next to Gobert? Um, you know, there, there are fit issues. They're obviously going to have money issues when they pay Hayward. They've got to pay George Hill. He's a free agent this year. Um, so they, they have a relatively easy schedule to finish the season. So they, they could most likely they end up as the four seed, really, depending on if the Clippers, you know, if they get Paul back and if they stay healthy, and then if the Jazz stay yeah, healthy, too. Yeah, unless Houston falls apart, I think they finish fourth. Yeah, and, you know, that poses them in a matchup with the Clippers that I think they could win. Of course, both teams depends on health, so that'll be one of those series where you just have to wait to make a prediction until the day before they start playing, really. Assuming the Clippers don't implode and go downwards. That's true. That always is possible. And the Grizzlies aren't far behind, to no, really. No, I mean, OKC just finished 17,000-mile trip where they were on the road for, like, 15, 12 out of 15 games. OKC could actually, if Sam Presti makes the right move, dear... They could actually move up, so we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. I I could. I I see the potential for the Clippers something to happen that they fall down. I see the potential for Utah to move up, and to, I think Houston will probably retain the three seed. But but one tweak of an ankle here or there on Harden, and I can see them dropping to the you know four seed. So. Not that it would matter because I think they'd beat the teams in the five seed, but I kind of want Harden against Westbrook because those teams, those games have been so great this year. They have been really good, and that's what I'm hoping for too. Um, and of course, the Jazz and Grizzlies pose uh, big threats to the Rockets, and they've already beaten them. Uh, the Grizzlies have beaten the Rockets twice. The Jazz have beaten them once, and they've only played you know, two times. So um, that's my point about the Rockets having issues with 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 big teams and with defensive teams. Yeah, that's the, always the concern about playing or the opponent for the Rockets is, is a really good defensive, uh, really good defensive teams and that have inside presences. Um, let's move on to the Grizzlies, who I just talked about. Um, they're 34 and 24. I have them trending up with a question mark because I'm not really sure. We're just kind of cheating, I guess. But um, they're a team that also needs to stay healthy. They need to get Parsons back if he can ever get back to what he was before he signed this deal and had the knee injury, which has lingered on what for a, what way, a waste of money. Really, what a waste of money. That's why people people that's why Dallas didn't want to give him that max contract. They said, Listen, we've got concerns about your knees and, and he, good for Harrison Barnes. 
Yes, good for Harrison Barnes. That was my other dark horse for most improved, and he should be in the conversation. Really, that, that's the thing most improved. We already talked about it, but that is an award that has so many candidates that are having great years. And, you know, Levine and Parker would be up there if they didn't get hurt. So That just proves how much of a good team player he is, that he was that much better than people gave him credit for, that he was willing to compensate his game and people were making comments. The kid was still really young. Yeah, when when he was in the playoffs, when people were basing the losing on him, when it had nothing necessarily to do with him. So, yeah. So I mean, if the Grizzlies could get somewhat of a healthy Chandler Parsons back, it's big for them because he's a good shooter and he can a little bit of handle the ball a little bit, take some pressure. I don't know. I like this like forty year old Vince Carter. Yeah, <laughs> what a story that is too. I mean, like, hello. I mean, really, that is such a great story for Vince, yeah. and it's and such it's a. Who knew? Yeah. Who? I mean. Who knew? No one expected this, I don't think, especially because of all the injuries, because Conley missed... Well, like, Ernie was really good with, the, like, a, a player's coach, as they say, quote-unquote. Yeah. But, yeah, I've been really impressed. I had no clue that the guy was that good. Yeah, and, he yeah. Would, and Conley missed, uh, what was it, three to four weeks with that uh, kind of, what was that? Um, he broke his back. Yeah, he broke his back, and they missed that. Um, you know, Randolph yeah, missed... Man. Yeah, Randolph missed a couple, like a week or two with the... Races eye socket and plays with a mask on. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta love Mike Conley. You really do. I love Conley. And, uh, I mean, I... how much is this is Fizdale? And how much is this is their core of Mark Gasol, Conan, Conan McGregor, God, I love Mark Gasol. I just love that guy. <laughs> Mark Gasol, Conley, and Zebo. How much of it is that core and how much of it is Fizdale? Because what they've done is nothing short of spectacular this year. Yeah, and and that core has been doing this for a while. So you know they had Jaeger there, and you know they had some in, uh, dish issues with the management with Jaeger, and that's you know the kind of a big deal why he left and went to Sacramento. Because he signed such a small contract, that's why. Yeah, and you know they plug in Fizdale, and he's doing a great job. And you know it, I think it, you have to give a lot of credit to the core because they were already there and they've done this before. And you got to give credit to Fizdale first coaching job. You know there are some pieces still that they implemented. Yeah, you got to give. I almost give it like fifty fifty. Really Yes, really nice. Yeah, and a great move by Fizdale to be like Randolph come off the bench and Randolph accepted that role. Absolutely. Yeah, so um, I don't see any trades happening for the Memphis. Um, they could surprise, though. They could. They're, they're, they're a team that can wear you down. They're a team that could upset Golden State because of their size. Yeah. And in clutch minutes, they win. Yeah. Yeah. They're a very interesting team to me. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Yeah, you just got to hope they stay healthy. They're, them at their best when they're healthy is a joy to watch, really. And, yeah, they pose a threat to the Warriors. So, you, know, you got to... grind you. They, they literally grind really, you. They really do. People people talk about when they you know go to Memphis and play a game, how they feel afterwards. It just feels different than playing a game in, I don't know, you know another team like uh, Sacramento or, or Portland or something like that. So, Grizzlies yeah, are... Only thing I don't understand about them is the Parsons trade. I get what they were trying to do. They've never really had someone since Rudy Gay left, although Rudy Gay didn't fit the narrative with them in terms of what they wanted. But I just don't think Parsons was the right guy. I, I think it was like, I don't want to say it was a little bit desperate, but I think it was one of those things like they were just like dreaming about how good he could fit. And then they, they kind of over, you know, like they kind of just were like, oh, but he has these knees. Close to blind eye. Yeah. Like, he, like that's what I think could happen. Like, Parsons, when he's healthy and playing at his best. When's he been healthy, though? Well, his final year in Houston, and then when he actually came back from the injury last year before he got hurt again, he actually had a really good stretch for about, like, two or three months. And yeah, when but he, that's my point. I'm saying, but, like, they so probably... Let's go back three years, and the kid has played, like, how many games? Healthy. Oh, yeah, he's been... Once he went to Dallas, forget about it. Just forget it. I mean, he played... 
uh, one like mostly healthy year, and then he got hurt for the playoffs and missed them. Um, and then he came back and he got hurt. I think in the middle of the season and missed the rest of the year there. And then I think one game in the playoffs against Houston last year. No. Yeah, he played one game, and the then one he. Where Rondo Oh god, that's a whole other issue there. But um, yeah, he played one game in that series, or maybe two, and left in the second one. It was like, I'm done. See ya, surgery. See ya. Um, but yeah, he has not been healthy. I think they were just dreaming. Like, and he's out there recruiting for Mark Cuban, and the next year he's shooting shade at him. Like, what the hell? And that was a, and I think it was Tim McMahon who had that really good piece in the beginning of the year about the the uh, Parsons Cuban relationship, where they were like. They were like buddy buddy when he first signed. They were really they had in that article, if I remember correctly. I it was a long time. It was like six months ago that it came out. But I think Tim McMahon said that Parsons had a say in front office moves. That's how close him and Cuban were. And then they you know fast forwarded like a year, and then Parsons is dishing um, some shade on him, and Cuban shading back, of course. And weird weird relationship. Tony Allen, who continues to be now, there's a guy who's a grinder who will defend you and get it uh, be a pest, but he's never uh, someone who goes below the belt. He doesn't give cheap shots. I have all kinds of respect for Tony Allen. Yeah, I love Tony Allen. Can't, can't hate on him. Um, no way. Yeah, so let's move on to your one of the other teams you cover, the Oklahoma City Thunder, 32-25. and 25. I have them trending up for the most part. Um, mm-hmm. I think it'll be tough for them to get out of the first round. One, as you said, if they don't make a move, and two, if they don't get – to the five seed or higher, which of course they could, especially if they do make a move. But if things were to, you know, just stay the course, um, for the most part, it could be tough for them to get out of the first round if they're that seven seed facing the Spurs in the first round. You know, I think that would be tough for them, obviously, because I, you know, obviously most people are high on the Spurs because it is Popovich and Kawhi and everyone like that. Um, so, you know, you mentioned before you could they could use a trade. Um, what would you look for them to get, um, and what would you give up in terms of their assets to get a guy? Um, though I will say today came out they were interested in Chandler, like um, the Clippers. So, what would you look? What are you looking for the Thunder to uh, do by the trade deadline? Well, let me just first say this. You know, they say in life there's only two things you can count on, which is death and taxes. Mm-hmm. And in basketball, there's two things you can count on: Greg Popovich and Russell Westbrook. So. I would never count out Wessel Westbrook in any series. Anytime you go back, like the year that they finally broke through when Kevin Durant and James Harden were still there, it was Russell's play against L.A. that got them over the top. And he was often the one that set the tone. So as much as I don't think they could get past the Spurs, if they had the right trade, they're going to they're gonna pose a pro- problem for who they play. I, I think they could beat Utah. They're, they're, they've played each other to a draw so far this season. Even though Utah has more depth and more experience, if it went seven games, Utah probably gets the edge. But they could surprise. Um, I'd love to see Wilson Chandler on that team. As I said to you earlier, I'd love to see Paul Millsap come over. Mm-hmm. Um, their defense is really super, super strong. They've just gone through a heinous schedule. Losing Ennis Cantor was very tough on them, but they've beaten they beat the Cavaliers. Hello, they've beaten teams with nobody but Russell. Mm-hmm. And there's a, a great picture that someone tweeted me of him uh, of Russell at the BBVA game, staring at Demontis uh, De, uh, uh, Sabonis, and just the, the you can see like he's so protective of his rookies that. I don't know. I, I would love to see Paul Millsap or someone of that ilk come to the team. I just won't count him out. I, I there's 
one of the, one of the reasons why I love him so much, Eric, and why I wanted to move to cover the team is from the beginning. I've always had a penchant for players like like uh, an Iverson, for example, like him, like Kyle Lowry, players that will put it on the line. And there is nobody that epitomizes that better than Russell Westbrook. Every single play in every single game, I have never ever seen him give up ever. It doesn't matter if they're down 20. Same with Lowry. It doesn't matter. They might get annoyed by not getting a whistle, but I've never seen him just throw in the towel and give up. Mm-hmm. And I love that about players. And when you factor in his, this is a guy that didn't even start playing point guard really until he came into the league. He was more of a shooting guard. That is his natural position. So uh, as far as what they can trade, they have a lot of young guys that aren't with the team. They've got the Curry Johnson in the D league. They still have picks to play with. Uh, Cameron Payne is interesting to some people, though I'm not sure how high that is. Ennis Cantor was very interesting to a lot of teams because his contract, which at the time seemed high, is more serviceable. But, you know, I I really like the idea of bringing over Millsap. Demonis Sabonis is someone who has a lot of natural talent, as does Alex Abrinas. Both of them need experience both of them need time in the league both of them need to add size but to wit this is a team that's played very well defensively and gone through this stretch of crazy schedule without Ennis Cantor for the most part and without Adams for part of it as well and still stayed above kept their heads above water so the goal probably for them is to try to get I hate to say it to you honey but the sixth seed because I think they think they could beat Houston or maybe try to push for the five seed. So we'll see. Um, I, I I think Presti will be definitely looking to make a trade. Yeah, and, and they should be. I mean, um, you know, looking at, you know, future draft picks, they have a 2018 second rounder coming from Boston. They own their 2017 first rounder, so they could use that if they're interested. Um, they don't have their 2017 second rounder. They don't have their 2018 first rounder or their 2020 first rounder, but they have their 2017 and 2019. So depending on the trade they're looking, depending on the team they're looking to trade with, those could be assets as well. Um, you know, it depends what kind of move they make that kind of, you know, sets the course for the rest of their season, of course, and what playoff seed they'll get and stuff like that. But, uh, I will tell you that earlier this season, one of the writers on Thunderous Intentions, KBBS, my boy, Rich Condon, wrote an article about why they should trade Rich, uh, Russell Westbrook now, that they could rebuild the entire OKC franchise. And you should have seen, he was just doing it as a speculation. He offered both sides and he got attacked online. So shout out to Rich for having the balls to do that. Yeah, that is pretty gutsy right there. <laughs> um all right, let's move on to the Nuggets because they're an interesting team. They're trending up because they're in the playoff picture already, and they have really great young talent. We've talked about them on the previous episode um, in Most Improved Player with Nikola Jokic, who's just such a delight yeah. to watch. Uh, but they've got a great amount of guards, Gary Harris, Will Barton, Jamal Murray. Uh, have they not done what we expected the Wolves to do this year? Yeah, and I actually um, – I didn't expect the Nuggets to make the playoffs, but I expected them to win like 38, 39 games because I believed in Malone, as we talked about in the previous episode that we – Yeah, I had to- dark horses which were Minnesota who I was much higher on and the Nuggets but the Nuggets were the ones that did it yeah and I gotta give credit to Malone give credit to the young players um, they already made that trade for Mason Plumley, and you know they had to get rid of Nurkic because he was angry and didn't have a big role um, I don't I don't, I don't love the trade the only thing I the thing they 
did it for is because Plumley is a playmaking center like Jokic. So I guess they want to have 48 minutes of playmaking centers, but you know, I don't know if that was exactly the right trade, but I don't think to it was. To me, a- that speaks to the fact they're going to move for Reed at the deadline. Or, go, uh, or make their best effort to. Oh, I think they absolutely are right now. And they're probably going to... I think they've been shopping him forever. Yes. And I think that the trade market has dwindled on him for now. Um, he's overrated. And he doesn't... He, he He's a he's a four, but they can't spread the floor, so that limits you offensively. He's not deep, a good locker room guy. There, in the middle of games. And even though his contract isn't terrible, it still is, like I think, $11 million a year, which is not, you know, nothing. So He's, he's a poor man's Montrez Harrell. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, where when he and yeah, and it's not a coincidence that when Harold was drafted, people were saying he's like Fareed type with young energy, undersized, and that's kind of like the cliche. Sorry, he just is. Yeah, um, so they're definitely moving Fareed, or they're trying to at least. Um, there are rumors about people interested in Gallinari and Chandler, so they probably could get some. Everyone's interested in Chandler, but if they're gonna get the eight seed, they want to keep Chandler. Yeah, and they're probably trade Gallinari. They could get something back in return, depending on which team they want to do that. I would love for the Nuggets to trade for Eric Bledsoe. I love yeah. it because he fits their timeline age-wise. I think he's 26. There's injury concerns, but he's having a great year. And the Nuggets have plenty of assets to do this trade. Um, why so not? you think they want to get rid of Emmanuel or put him on the bench? I would get rid of Moody. I don't believe in him. I, I, I just don't. I, I mean, if I'm getting Bledsoe in return, I would put Moody in that deal. Um and then I'd probably put a, a Malik Beasley. You don't, you don't see them. Oh, Malik Beasley is going to be a player. Let me tell you. You don't see them moving Jamal to point guard because they're going to want to start him because he obviously is going to be a player. I could see that happening, but, but I don't you think they're going to keep him at the two, and pro, they, that's the preference. Or just a combo guard. I mean, have him play some minutes point guard, some minutes a shooting guard. You know, they still might trade Will Barton. There are still rumors about that. So. Um, right. We don't know exactly. We have to wait really to to really evaluate what they're going to do with their guards. But I mean, but isn't Bledsoe a little small? Because if you look at, um, I see your point about about the bringing him and the defensive. He plays both ends of the court. He can hit the threes. He can do a lot of the things that Moutier isn't doing. But Moutier is big. I mean, Jamal's not small, but he's not big, and he's not considered. He's he's freakishly. Uh, unphysical but athletic. That's 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 kind of like the book on Jamal, right? And Will Barton is small, and Malik Beasley is tall, but he needs to add size. So they've got a, a, a wealth of wings, but none of them are really ready. You know what I mean? Yeah, and the thing is that I mean, well. Bledsoe's having a stud season, and if you have the chance to get him, first of all, if they were able to get him for the trade deadline this year, that comfortably puts him in the playoffs. And he's 27, under contract reasonably. I think it's like 13. That makes them an ups- upset possibility. Like, really yeah. does. I mean, Bledsoe, this year he's having his incredible 21.6 points per game, 6.2 assists per game, 5 rebounds per game, 33% on threes, which is good enough to be a threat. Um, he's staying healthy. Of course, there are injuries concerns for him, but... But if the, if the Suns give up Bledsoe, I mean, Knight, nobody wants Knight. Oh, nobody. <laughs> it's clear so because they've been shopping him for like a year. <laughs> well, so no. They just assume because this draft is full of guards that they're going to get a, another one. Well, they're getting another one. I would. I mean, I love Booker. Let's not let's not mix words there. <laughs> yeah, I, I love Booker, but uh, you know, I mean, I was the one. I would include Moody in this deal. Um, that gives him a point guard for now. Let him test him out. See if he still can do something more than what he's shown so far. And then they look at this draft as a potential, you know, point guard, you know, shopping spree, um, depending on their pick. 
Um, I mean, I love it for the Nuggets' perspective. I think for the Suns' perspective, you know, they're obviously shopping night, but that's not working out because they've been shopping for like a year and a half now. Um, and they could get a real package back for Bledsoe, who, you know, Bledsoe's only 26, but by the time the rest of the Suns guys get ready to win games, he'll be like 28, 29. His, in- his body might break down by then, depending on how many injuries he has. I think that if I'm the Suns, I consider it. If I'm the Nuggets, I'm really pushing for it, though I think it's unlikely. But just a theoretical that I would love. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, it. yeah. I mean, they're the team that has a wealth of assets. And like you said about Utah, that's this is another team that has depth at every position and similar to what the Raptors have as well, although the small forward again becomes an issue on almost every team we talk about, other than the Bulls, who only have small forwards. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's a theoretical fun trade I would love to happen, but I doubt it. But, anyways. Let's move on to Sacramento Kings, who are twenty four and thirty three, somehow the ninth seed in the in the West because that's how you know downtrodden that kind of race is for eight. Um, I have them trending down. It's just the same old Kings. Rudy Gay injury has really killed them and their chances to make the playoffs. Cousins has been spectacular, but again, almost every week has some kind of turmoil. Um, and now the question becomes that you know I, I heard that they put Darren Collison on the market. Omri Caspi has been on the market for a while. Um, yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, and you know it hasn't happened. Crazy so. because he's beloved in Sacramento. And I think yeah, there was that issue about him not getting along with the Jaeger in the beginning of the season. And um, I think Jaeger, uh, him, oh, Caspi, and Jaeger. That's what I heard, and that's why Caspi wanted that trade. And then they, I think they briefly settled things a little bit and calmed down a little bit. But uh, it is, I think it's time for them to at least sell on Darren Collison. I know they're only what like two games out or a game and a half out of the A seed, but Collison's overrated. Sorry. Yeah, but they can get something back for him. For I mean, he uh, the whole uh, abuse of the wife. Oh, I, I sit well with a lot of teams. Oh so. yeah, and that's that's despicable. But uh, as a I mean, he's, he's starting for a team when he should be coming off the bench. Maybe that's a Cavalier trade. I don't know. I don't think they have the money for it. I don't think so either. Though um, I think that just I'm just trying to look at the Kings as to be in sell mode. Um, not that it does them anything that good to begin with, but I will note that Willie Collie's time is finally starting to play like a little bit better. Oh yeah, thankfully, because he's you know someone who's been pretty disappointing what a, so far, and what a bust. it's Between just him and Noah Vonley, which who's the bigger bust? Wow. I don't honestly. I think Vonley just because at least Collie's time will show you something every once in a while. I Von... thought Vonley was gonna be so good. He's like I he think had... my worst mock draft pick ever. <laughs> oh, it's it, I mean, it is this so. Is the girl that picked Chris Porzingis to go second to the Lakers. So I I I made some really good picks. Yeah. The fact that I had Vonley being so much better than he is is just like mind boggling to me. Yeah. Well, a lot of people had him good, so can't can't hit yourself for that. But uh. Yeah, it's just the same old Kings for me, and I, I just I'm so annoyed of talking it. And you know, if Cousins signs that mega extension, which it's rumored he's likely to do, this is just we're gonna get more of these stories for the next five years, and that's nothing that anyone wants you to hear. Realize that last year was the first time in his six seasons that he won thirty games. It's like I feel bad for him at the same time as you know I I blame him a little bit. You know, it's just like such I mean, a yeah. It's the, the the thing is he's his own worst enemy, but at the same time. Would you want to be on that team? Like, Absolutely not. If we're, if we're saying that New Orleans is a mess in terms of management, you've got Vladdy Divac who gave away, he gave away Marquise Chris, who could be <laughs> on my Raptors for nothing. Oh, my God. What did I, yeah, honestly, I don't, I blame Cousins because of his, 
I blame Cousins because of his, you know, lack of self-control sometimes. But at the same time, those those lack of self-control and that anger issues are stemmed from being put in such a terrible situation with incompetent, you know, front office around him. So meningitis. I couldn't play, and then they fired Malone because he had meningitis. Uh, like that, I never consulted him. Yeah, ridiculous, ridiculous. Um, six coaches in six years. Like, come on. Yeah, that's just the Kings for and you. Now, when you see George um, Carl's book come out, do you really blame Boogie? Yeah. Nope. Not at all. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's the same old Kings and, uh, let's just, let's move on to the Portland Trailblazers yeah. before we get any more depressing here. Um, yeah. 23 and 33. Front court, front court, front court. Yes. Front court, front court. And basically defense is just killing them. They have a horrible defense. What are they? 28th in the league, I think. Uh, oh no, they've moved up to 26th. Sorry. Um, yeah. Um, and this kind of, this poses a question because I love Lillard. McCollum's been great. Um, but are they really a backcourt you can win with? Like, I'm talking seriously win with. Because if you don't have... Uh, uh, the $25 million question, no <laughs> clue. I mean, their front court sucks. I don't think Nurkic resolves that. No. They're the second highest salary in the league. Uh, Neil O'Shea I've always had great respect for as a GM, but... I just, you know, they put all this money into Crab and to Evan Turner. Uh, I don't know. I, don't, I yeah, but don't forget the uh, the ten million dollar year for contract for Harkless, and even the ten million dollar year contract for Myers Leonard, who doesn't really play as much as or is not good enough to warrant that contract, no matter how young he is. I mean, well, I think that that's because there was so much unknowns about what was going on with these TV contracts that it became questionable. I mean. At the same time as we're saying, I think Mo Harkless is pretty good, actually. I actually like him, too. At the same too. time that we're saying those things, we're, you know, take a look over at Mozgov and Dang and what the Lakers played them. So, you know, a lot of the GMs weren't sure what the the, the level or, the, or the, the balance of where you should go to should be because, you know, there was this uncertainty about what middling players were going to get or someone who was above middling, right? I don't really have a problem with the crab deal per se yeah. because I do think that he's a valuable asset and can be a sixth man but yeah uh, there's a lot the Myers Leonard one's a very good <laughs> a very good point uh, they don't have anyone up front I always felt as I told you that Plumley was overrated Nurkic doesn't do anything to resolve that and he's not necessary when he's inspired he can be good defensively but we'll see I, as I said their best defender is Aminu and I think that that's the one player on the team everyone's going to want. Never saw Evan Turner fitting in, and that was pretty much proven to be the point. The only time that he was good was against terrible teams. Yeah, and that was another contract that was heavily criticized. Um, with you know they had depth on the wing anyways, and they went out and gave Evan Turner that contract. I like the Crab deal, um, especially because they were for- their hand was forced with Brooklyn offering him that, um, and they had to decide to match or not. And I'm fine with them matching that. The, the Leonard contract I have the biggest problem with. Um, Harkless I'm pretty much fine with, but you know when you take Harkless's contract in the context of having Crab and Turner there, McCollum yeah. getting the it increase makes sense from from the depth perspective at the position. But I agree with you exactly. So they they've got defensive concerns that they need to solve. I think this is a lost year for them. They're probably thinking you know they might sell some guys. I don't know that they got to get rid of contracts because. The only way for them to improve to get more pieces for their front court is either through trades, through some of their extra wings, or you know trying to find someone in free agency. But they don't have any money now with all these contracts. So has Damian Lillard regressed? Oh, uh, defensively, he's 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 been a turnstile basically. But he's never been good defensively. Exactly, and 
he I don't think he's regressed offensively. I think just the pairing I think just the pairing of him and McCollum, who are just both so offensive oriented and McCollum does McCollum is I, I like McCollum. I I don't I don't hate in him. Um I think Lillard is a little bit overrated because everyone loves him. Um great scorer. It's organic type player yes offensively yeah and I think there are concerns about their fit in the context of winning with with that kind of backcourt when you you know have a mediocre to terrible frontcourt for they do but again the, the biggest I mean that's the point when you look at Wall and Beal I don't think Beal's a good defender necessarily but Wall is yes and you look at Lowry and DeRozan DeRozan is better defensively than people give him credit for but not great but Kyle's great. Yeah. So you need to marry. You need to have an uh, an alpha and a and a an A and B, yeah. and you have that with Wall and Beal. You have that with DeRozan and Lowry. You have that with well, supposedly I think Clay's overrated defensively, but you have that yeah. with Clay and Steph. Yeah, me too. Right. So yeah. it's it's a question for them because it's the probably the biggest question they have to face besides the fact that how they get better with these contracts, but. It's a messy offseason for them that's going to have long-lasting effects, I think, if they can't move some of those contracts. But uh, let's move on to the New Orleans Pelicans, a team we've kind of trashed enough for, I think, in the first episode. But uh, 23-34, and 34, I have them down because of their management incompetence. That's exactly what I have written down here. Um, and, uh, you know, the, in terms of trade, they were heavily rumored for Julio Okafor. Not sure that does anything for them at all. Um, they are eight defensively, which is shocking. It is kind of surprising. Um yeah, they are. I mean, what? I mean, their net rating is what? Minus two point three. Yeah, which is twenty second in the league because you know their offense is twenty um, seventh in the league. Um, so that's a problem. Um, and I guess they're probably thinking Okafor. And if Anthony Davis is that good, why the heck are they twenty seventh in the league offensively? That's a, that's a good question. Is, is that? And another question is: Is that the reason why they think about trading for Okafor? Is an obviously an offensive oriented center? I don't think that really helps them anymore because that'll worsen their defense. Um, and going back to the management incompetence, when they handed Omar Ashik that four-year, $9 million a year contract, like, I think two off-seasons ago, that he still has, I think, two more years on, and he doesn't even play, I mean, you've got to look at that front office and just be like, what are you doing? I mean, not that Sam Decker's been, you know, great, but he's showing some promise, and, you know, Maury traded basically Ashik for that pick that gave him Decker, and now Ashik doesn't even play and makes $9 million a year, so... The management incompetence is why... He's kind of a dinosaur at his position, too, though. Exactly. And he's not, he hasn't been good since he went to New Orleans, either. He had that one good year in Houston, then sulked around next to Dwight Howard, and then was traded, and now his career is on the bench. Um, does um, the fact that Poindexter is back and they've climbed to eighth defensively speak to, speak to his prowess on the defensive end? Because he's someone else, I think, that could get traded at the deadline. Yeah, I actually think he's a nice bench piece, and he should be targeted by by the teams that need bench pieces. Um, he can play small forward, and he's a big guy, so that's another one that teams that are looking like the Raptors to add some grit and depth, or uh, Boston potentially, even though they don't necessarily need that, but he'll add rebounding. He could go to a lot of teams, actually. Poindexter is an interesting piece. Yeah, so I'm going to watch, and you probably can get him for pretty cheap um, compared to the other options at, at small forward or on the wing, basically. Um mm-hmm. So, again, I don't know where the Pelicans go from here. They're going to, you know, try and re-sign Holiday. They have a good chance of doing that. That'll take up some money. Um, they gave Solomon Hill $11 million a year for the next four years. Another bad contract. Based on one game and one series. Another bad contract there. The Ashik contract is unmovable unless you give an asset to, for a team to take him. Um, they've got... Poindexter's 
3.6 million this year and 3.8 next year. That's a great, that's a great contract. Yeah. So Tyreek Evans is an unrestricted free agent this summer. I don't think a lot of teams are going to jump on him because of his injury history. Yeah, and that'll be interesting if, if New Orleans maybe gets him for cheaper because no one else is interested or some desperate team throws some money at him. Um, he could be gone. He's been injured basically, so not a big, huge part. But the Pelicans just... I can see the Cavaliers going after Fraser. Yeah, I could see that too. Fraser's had, Fraser was good when uh, Holiday was out, and uh, he's still been pretty good since Holiday returned. So he could be a nice uh, point guard off the bench. But anyways, that's enough for the Pelicans. It just makes me sad to hear about management incompetence. Um, yeah, but I still, I'm still going to put it with the caveat that I'm just not sure if Anthony Davis is a good leader. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, he, fall, he falls in the same. I don't know if he's a prima donna like a Butler and uh, a, a Paul George, but there's definitely issues. And I think your assessment of putting him in the category of like a Tracy McGrady type. Uh, how we came up with that together in terms of like him just not wanting to be a vocal leader may be accurate. Yeah, I think so. There are concerns for leadership-wise, but let's move on to the Dallas Mavericks. Um, you know, I have them down for the future. Um, I just their their future is, is clouded now. When they were terrible to start the season, it was kind of like when we talked about the Heat. Like there's a clear path for them. You know, tank, good draft pick swing for free agents and move on the, the Mavericks way. Um, now they're, you know, they're improved. So their pick isn't going to be great enough to get that kind of really good player. Um, and they, they don't really necessarily have good young talent. They've got Harrison Barnes, who's doing great this year. Obviously, we know Dirk is really old. Um, Three games out of eight. I know. <laughs> Would that speak more about the Mavs or more about the eighth seed in the Western Conference? Would <laughs> um, that say something about Rick Carlisle being able to get something from nothing? That's the thing with Carlisle. No matter what team you give him, basically, he's... I love him as a coach. Really. And, and great. And he provides such great quotes, kind of like Popovich to the media. And um, But I still have him down only because there are question marks about their future in terms of young talent. You've got Barnes there who's young, 24. Wesley Matthews, I think, is 29. Um, Berea's in his 30s. Um, yeah, Darren Williams who's in his 30s. Yogi Ferrell is young, um, but we'll see what happens with him. Dirk, we know, is old and retiring i think after next year once he hits 20 seasons i think was his goal um and then you know uh, they got dwight powell but he hasn't really shown much after that contract that they gave him in the offseason so i have him down for the future in terms of this season i kind of have them you know staying the course they're not really trending up or down because you know they could very well miss the playoffs but then again carlisle could work his magic and they could very well squeak into the playoffs so i don't know yeah. Dwight Powell's interesting, and Justin Anderson's interesting. Uh, do they do they play as well under another coach? I don't know. Yeah. Um, definitely Powell. Uh, Harrison Barnes was a good pickup by them. Bogut's the one guy that, at the deadline that maybe someone should go for. Um, I don't know. I mean, the thing is, I just can't see Mark Cuban not if it's not this year at the trade deadline, because they don't really have much, as you say, I just, I think he's going to go full hog in the off season to get free agents. And maybe they will tank to get the pick, even though uh, Cuban says they won't, but they have to do something for Dirk because, you know, there's a real love between Cuban and Dirk. So how can you not love Dirk Nowinski? I'm sorry. Whether you, whether you hate the Mavericks or not, he has to be considered, if not the top international player ever, offensively at least, one of the top three. So Yeah, it's hard not to love Dirk and hard not to love Carlisle. 
And, you know, you, you got to root for Harrison Barnes. They've got pieces you like to root for on that team. And, yeah, it's, it's a weird path ahead for the Mavericks because I think it's more likely that they just, you know, stay the course in terms of, like, winning but not, you know, not winning enough to get in the playoffs, but not losing Listen, enough. To- I, I'm not happy about the fact that I said I, I saw them falling out of the playoffs. I'm not happy to say it, but it, I kind of felt that was what was going to happen. Even though I did predict that Harrison would have a big year, I had him as my most improved to be candidate uh-huh. coming into the season. So him and him and Devin Booker. So I'm glad that he at least has shown people who he is. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> nice to root for uh, Devin, Bo- uh, not Devin Booker. Excuse me, Harrison Barnes. Yeah. Um, but it, 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 it is an interesting path for the Mavericks moving forward. Um, Absolutely. Now speaking about a team whose path isn't so interesting because it's pretty clear-cut, the Timberwolves, they're 22-35, and 35, basically almost the same record as the Mavericks. They're trending up because they have such a great young core. It was really devastating for the Levine injury, but he should come back. It's his first, uh, first major injury. I think it's his first injury overall, basically, for him. you got Towns, Wiggins. I still believe in Thibodeau next year once he has this team for a whole year and gets them going. Um and for the trades, I, I don't see any real need to acquire a veteran for the playoff push this season. Um, maybe they could sell some. So only three and a half games out of eight. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think they just keep the course. I don't think they need to rush anything necessarily. It was interesting today. It came out that they're interested in Iman Shumpert, um, which Shocking. I'm like, you know. I think that's Cleveland planting seeds because I just cannot. He's he's not that good defensively, Eric. He really yeah, isn't. He really isn't, and I don't know what the deal with that would be. But of course, that's just a rumor. Uh, maybe for the trade deadline, they could sell some of their unnecessary contracts, like Jordan Hill, who's somehow still in the league and making like four or five million a year, cheap guy. Um, there, there's no real need for them to push anything, you know, accelerate anything with the Levine injury. Just stay the course. You're still competing for the playoffs naturally with with your core as is. The crazy part about that team is as as much as the stats say that they're like 23rd, I think, defensively, or where are they offensively? They're probably top 10. Let's see. No, 11th. They're Um, almost top 10. Uh, On offense, their net rating is minus 0.8, so they are 14th, right in the middle of the league. They are literally one or two plays or one quarter like it's a matter of focus it's a matter of having the right veteran on that team Wilson Chandler on that team Paul Millsap on that team like one right veteran on that team and that team is just gonna bam turn I think this I'm 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 torn about what I want to believe about them are they going – Tibbs just doesn't like to lose. You know what I mean? So yeah. are they going to like – is management going to say to Tibbs, look, just get them to win a couple of games and get them to feel how close it is and, and to know what it's like to win in the clutch. But like play the young guys, get Chris Dunn out on the floor, and let's just go for it and, and lose the games. Or are they the team that does the Utah Jazz thing from two seasons ago and becomes a really good defensive team the last 25 games of the season? Yeah, that, that's the, yeah, that's a nice way to point out there's basically two directions this team to go. And, you know, it's interesting because Thibodeau does have that kind of GM control, so hopefully he doesn't pull a Doc Rivers and just go crazy with making bad moves. But I don't think there's, yeah, as I said, I don't think there's any real need to kind of accelerate this playoff push, just let it happen naturally. Um, and, you I don't know, think he's going to do that, though, Eric, because he hasn't done it. Yeah, uh, you mean... If he was going to pull a Doc Rivers, he would have done it like two months ago. 
Yeah, no, I don't think he's going to do it either. I'm just hoping he doesn't. That's what I'm saying. Um, wouldn't expect it to happen. Hopefully it doesn't, of course. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just a great young tor- core. Just let it happen naturally. They're still in the, in this, in the hunt for the A seed. So the games down the stretch will be meaningful for them, unlike the past two seasons. So, you know, that's good for them as well. Anyways, um, let's move on to another. Well, actually, the, the next three teams are all, the next two teams are all very young, uh, for the most part. We got LA Lakers, 19 and 39. They already have, I think they finished with 19 wins last year. So, it's an improvement. Um, I have them trending up with a question mark. I have some doubts about their young players like Russell and Clarkson um, and Ingram too. I have doubts, but I still think that they have the talent and you know eventually could come up to be you know competent players. I don't think they're going to be as high as people expected them to be. Um, and the question, of course, with the Lakers is, will they be a free agency destination? It you know turned out that they really weren't in the past couple of years because people have you know spurned the big markets. Uh, I believe it was them who were, who were interested in Monroe, and Monroe would just said, "Hey, I'll go to Milwaukee," which is like a big deal. And Monroe is nothing to write home about, but it is something to say about you know him choosing Milwaukee over LA. Um, and in terms of their trade deadline moves, of course, they're shopping Lou Williams, and there's a lot of interest there. They're even they could sell Nick Young because some team could want him. He's having actually a good year for the most part for Nick Young, um, and they can get probably they could probably get draft picks in return, which is what I would do if I was the Lakers. No point in keeping Williams around. He is 30 years old. Um, Nick Young is 31, so you know doesn't really fit their timeline. So I would just sell those guys in terms of what moves I would make in the in the trade deadline, anyways, and just ride it out with a young core and draft picks. I don't know. Love the coach. Yes. Love Brandon Ingram's upside. There's there's glimpses every once in a while where you see where he's going to be very very special. My my one of my favorite players on this team is actually Larry Nance Jr. Mm-hmm. I think he has a huge upside. Clarkson is best suited coming off the bench. I think Julius Randle is overrated. He can prove me wrong. And I think D'Angelo Russell is overrated, and he can prove me wrong. Yeah. Uh, I agree with you. Williams needs to be shopped and probably will be. Um, maybe Jose Calderon is someone the Cavs will look at because he doesn't turn over the ball and he's the kind of guy who is a playmaker, but he won't defend, and that's the issue for the Cavs. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, maybe Tarek Black for energy off of someone's bench. But, yeah, I mean, this team just, they're, you know, they're going to get draft picks and they're going to try and try out their Hollywood episode and maybe they've learned their lesson. I think Magic Johnson is probably going to end up replacing Mitch Kupchak or have more of a decision, uh, be, be more involved in the decision-making process going forward. So I think he'll recognize that people, that players don't want to see Showtime because he's a very astute businessman. This team is still a couple of years away from making a mark, but they're definitely further ahead than the team in the East that we don't want to talk about. <laughs> oh yeah, we're not mentioning that name. Um, uh, yeah, I agree with you. Just just stay the course. Get get work with the young talent. Get some draft picks and just keep it moving from there. I don't, there's not much else to say about the Lakers at this point besides they should sell you know some of their older pieces for draft picks. Let's move on to the Phoenix Suns, the final team we're going to be talking about today in this All Star Break slash Trade Deadline Special. Yeah. Eighteen and the thing about this team, Eric. Sorry to cut you off. No problem. The thing about this team is that it's ironic that you, when you look at Denver and how their veteran pieces and Utah and how their veteran pieces help their young core develop, that some of these really good players like Dudley and Barbosa are both really good players, and Chandler Parsons, all very good veteran leaders and yet it didn't translate on the court even pj tucker to a certain point so they've got there's this four guys i mentioned right there that can all be shopped and that's before we even talk about bledsoe 
That's exactly. I had that in my notes. I had Cell Bledsoe question mark, and then other veterans like Barbosa and Dudley, and and maybe even Tyson Chandler. Um, Tyson Chandler, I think, might be the, the the fit that Portland is looking for. But does but does Portland have anything that the Suns want? That's the question, and uh, I think they definitely the Suns should definitely be shopping Barbosa and Dudley, who are still still can contribute to good teams, uh, and teams would want them. Good veterans, they're still playing well. Why not sell them? Um, and yeah, I have the Suns trending up because they've got really good young talent. Um, you know, some of it's pretty raw. Marquise Chris has shown potential. Dragon Bender has shown a little bit there. Of course, we've got Devin Booker. Um, and you know, we didn't even mention Brandon Knight, who no one really wants, but you know, nobody the, wants him. But the thing about Barbosa and Dudley, Eric, I like them both. But I don't see how they they push a team over the edge, and they're the kind of guys that you bring in in the off season to help with locker room chemistry. And the fact that they haven't been able to deliver with the Suns to to, to push them over or above where they are makes it a question mark as to how much they can shift uh, the situation. Right? Yeah, and uh, I think it was. Um... I think it was Kevin O'Connor who proposed this deal on one of his trade pieces for the Ringers that it would be uh, P.J. Tucker and Barbosa, kind of Barbosa thrown in there, going to the Rockets with for K.J. McDaniels and like a first-round pick in Corey Brewer. So Barbosa could be like someone you throw in if you shop duck if you trade uh, Tucker, like that kind of throw-in piece for a team that could use a guard. Um, Dudley could be the same thing too. I don't think any of them would be a focal point, but veterans that could just be thrown into a deal that you know can That's still a smart trade. can That's still a contribute. Good. That's really good for Houston, actually. Yeah, man. You know, Barbosa and D'Antoni have an experience working together, and of course, the hypothetical. But that would be a good uh, trade for the Rockets and something decent for the Suns to get a, a draft pick and you know see if someone can see if KJ McDaniel's has got something to get him on the court. But you know, overall, Suns are trending up with the good young talent. Just like to see them sell some of their veterans um, and then just keep improving. I have questions about Earl Watson as a coach. Um, but again, it's kind of hard to judge coaches when they're not, you know, really intended to have a winning team at this moment. So he's young. As much as you say that, though, the one thing about the Suns is they're scrappy. Yes. Yeah, and that's a, that's a good thing to see. Comes yeah. from the coach. Yes, like the Nets with Kenny Atkinson. Yeah, it's it's good to see that. It's like re- Malone with the Nuggets, mm-hmm. like the Raptors with the even steady kind of keel of, of Casey, like Spo with how he gets his guys to compete, like Pops and his even steady, like, you know what I mean? Like, so I'm kind of with you on the Earl Watson thing, except that when I see them be scrappy, I'm like, that's got to be Watson. Yeah, and I think he's a... You don't expect Brandon Knight to be scrappy because, you know... <laughs> <laughs> the kid, someone touches him when he goes flying. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think Watson fits for the team, like what they're intending to do for the next couple of seasons, and we'll have to see. We really can't evaluate him until you know when it comes time for them to start winning. You know, and if he's still there, which I think he will be, um, we'll see what happens then. But you know, it's just letting things happen naturally, letting their players develop, and I think Watson fits in perfectly with their kind of timeline anyway. So, kind of. All right, Tamberlin, I'd like to thank you for the second part of our All-Star Break trade deadline special. Um, I feel like it'd be best if you throw out where people can follow you on Twitter and then where they can find your work moving forward. Absolutely. Okay, well, on Twitter is Tamberlin's Tip-Off, and the short form of that is capital T-T-O-T, lowercase A-M-B as in Bob, Z as in Zebra, so at T-T-O-Tams. My Facebook page is Tamberlin's Tip-Off. I am an editor at uh, 16 Wins a Ring as well as Thunderous Intentions. I'm a feature columnist at Raptors Republic. And coming shortly, I'll, my Tamberlands Tip-Off podcast will be returning to the airwaves on 16 Wins a Ring. 
All right, everyone, make sure you follow Tamberlin and enjoy your week of watching NBA basketball. Take care. Thanks for having me, Eric.